Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my sports in one app, like the National Women's Soccer League, included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it, whoa, okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. Uh, Miller Lite, great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. And as always, please celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. Seton, what if I told you there's a bacon, then there's number one thick cut, tastes like a touchdown in your mouth bacon? You must be talking about Wright brand bacon because mm-hmm. they are not playing when it comes to the premium quality of their bacon. It's thick cut, hand trimmed, and real wood smoke. Real. And you can tell. So why settle for average bacon when you can have the real stuff? That's right. And if you're looking to upgrade any meal, any meal, try Wright brand bacon. That's called Wright brand bacon. You won't regret it. Experience bacon the right way. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Good morning. Happy Friday. Welcome inside The Jason Smith Show. Actually, my show is The Jason Smith. I got done with it like three (laughs) hours ago. So now I'm here with Doug Gottlieb on The Dan Patrick Show. Just happens that way, Doug. You know, you just just segue right from one show into another. It happens. Uh, It does. But uh, listen, the good thing is your weekend begins in uh, T-minus three hours. Yeah, that's the best part. Counting down. Counting down to it. Uh, You know what I might do? I might start the Aaron Rodgers cleanse. I may I may go for the twelve day cleanse thing and just take some time off from work because apparently when you do that cleanse you can't do anything else so I'm just going to just do that. Uh, yeah, the the induced vomiting and the uh, excavation at both ends that uh, yeah, that's I'm I'm good I'm good I'm oh, good. By the way, how on brand is that for Aaron Rodgers? Like like when that story came out and he said, yeah, I came off this twelve day cleanse that involves that and and forced body movements and 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 medication up your nose and milk and fluids and juices. I'm like, that is completely on. That is the most on-brand thing Aaron Rodgers has done in the last year and a half, and that's saying something. Yeah. Where are you from? Chico, California? No. Get out of here. No. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yes. I'm, I'm waiting for the ayahuasca the ayahuasca uh, treatment as well. Um, and and some, some of the other stuff. Yeah. Like, if you were to line up 50 NFL players and not even provide names and, and just go like, which one of these gentlemen is most likely to go on a 12 day cleanse that involves all of these different things. I, I would, I'm not sure there's another guy who would get that, who'd get that pick. Um, you know, maybe long haired Tom Brady back, you know, when, when he, when he grew the main long, that would be the only other guy. Yeah. Yeah, it would be like the conversation about best wide receiver ever. Like Jerry Rice is at the top, and the next guy is like you know ten miles behind. It's like Aaron Rodgers, maybe Tom Brady, but really Aaron Rodgers is the guy. He's like the only one that would do that. Yep, 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 yep. yep. A big day in the NBA, and we got more on Aaron Rodgers coming up in about twenty minutes. Going to head to Green Bay and get the latest. Got some boots on the ground there, and uh, trying to figure out what is actually next when we could get the Aaron Rodgers decision. But a big night in the NBA tonight. We got James Harden's debut, which we're going to get to coming up later on in the show. Going to play for the Sixers. Finally, we get to see the ramifications of that trade. But um, with all the LeBron versus Lakers talk that's been going on, it's like that old video game from Sega, right? Bulls versus Blazers, LeBron versus Lakers. Mm -hmm. Uh, We saw something last night, Doug, that I know you're really hot on, which is we watched DeMar DeRozan, another incredible night for this guy, another 35-point night. He had 37, 12 in the fourth quarter. Bulls beat the Hawks. He is now the seventh player in NBA history to score 35 points in eight straight games, first time since Harden did it a couple of years ago. 
He's over 50% from the field. And look, I can't believe he's not getting more MVP talk, but this really, you know, lays into the fact that, hey, uh, the Lakers could have been a hell of a lot better than they were this year had they just made some different decisions. Yeah, the the story coming out of All-Star Weekend is that, you know, Rich Paul um, and and Rob Palenka uh, are, are in a bit of a tiff, right? And and if it's Rich Paul, then it's LeBron James. And if it's Rich Paul and LeBron James, it's likely Anthony Davis as well. And what they're upset over is that the Lakers wouldn't make a trade deadline move to move off of Russell Westbrook and to bring in John Wall. When John Wall is the solution, you got to ask yourself, what what? What is the problem that John Wall is the solution for, especially considering, uh, despite his flaws, Westbrook was a breath of fresh air in D.C. as opposed to John Wall. And the, the Rockets value him so much, they're paying him $40 million to not play. Uh, all, all that said, yeah, when you watch DeRozan, like, that, that's the one that got away. Right? The, the, here's what happened, Jason. The Buddy Heel trade was going to happen. Was going to happen, um, and LeBron and Anthony Davis said, uh-uh, "We we want to handpick our third guy." And you know, among those interviewed was Demar Derozan, who's everybody in LA knows he's from LA, right? Obviously, grew up in Compton, went to high school in Compton, went to USC. Would have loved to come back and play. And his game, at least in terms of where his points come from, and some of the makings of his offensive game. He's not the defender of Kobe, but he's got the mo- probably the most Kobe-like game. He and um, a bigger version would be Kawhi Leonard, right? How they play. A more efficient Kobe on offense. And he, and he thought he was going to get the call. And Anthony Davis and LeBron chose Russell Westbrook, likely because of their long friendship with him. And th- that's a mistake that's brought down the Lakers. It's not the only flaw to the Lakers, Right. But Palinka and that that portion of the decision making crew should have kept Caruso, and and there's and we can go back into lineage and what you know last year I think a lot of people were let down in the building that they didn't trade for Kyle Lowry at the trade deadline and none of this would have been an issue. Uh, but that said, like how do you say LeBron should be able to make another decision as a general manager when you could have had Demar Derozan? He wanted to come. And he chose Russell Westbrook instead. You know, the thing is, is that seeing how this is going to end up playing out for LeBron, I mean, he's going to wind up leaving and he's going to be the villain. And he, he will be he will be someone who comes to Los Angeles, plays for the Lakers, leaves after winning a championship and everybody's and fans are to say, good, go. Go because he just he's, he basically he's come in. Let's redo this team. We'll do it in my image. All right, we win the title in 2020. That's awesome. But now because of my decisions, hey, we're really stuck, boy. You're really stuck. We have no first round draft picks until the Bobby <laughs> Bonilla tra- uh, the situation is over. So yeah, you know what, guys, I'm ge- I'm out. I'll see you later. Good luck. I'm gonna go play someplace else with Bronny. I'm, I'm gonna put pressure on Cleveland uh, to trade for me or to re- to sign me in a year, and we're gonna play together. Yeah, good luck with everything here, guys. I'm sorry I blowtorched it. Everything is gone, but that's good. That's kind of what it is. And LeBron is—he's—he's never got—he's never gotten that hug. He's never gotten that. Even from the Lakers, everything has always been at arm's length. And now it's LeBron and Clutch Sports versus the Lakers. And and I—I don't know that LeBron's ever, as you said, he's not going to get to make another decision because the Lakers are going to say, you know what, screw this. I think there's a reason why we didn't go after John Wall. We're just not going to do what you say anymore. And LeBron's got to understand that. Okay. Um, try, trying to get in and run the Lakers is I'm I'm hitting a, a wall now and now I got to figure out what's next. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think by most people he'll be viewed as a villain. I just don't think he's ever really viewed as a as a Laker. You know, he plays for the Lakers, but he's not a Laker. Does that does that make sense? Right? It's like, um, it's like Austin in is in Texas, but not of Texas. Very very different than the rest of the state. And I think LeBron is is like that. He's maybe the the Chargers are the better analogy. Do, do people understand how hard it is to embrace a LeBron James when? And, and I'm not one of these tried and true. I'm not a Laker fan, but for Laker fans, Kobe was became everything, right? Everything. Even when they were bad, you know. And Kobe was bad. 
it was still kind of the the one guy, the last of the Mohicans, if you will. And of course, he had sixty in his last game. Kobe was everything. Kobe and Shaq era, and then Kobe on his own, you know, with with Lamar Odom and Pau Gasol, and LeBron James was the enemy. He was in the other side of the country. He was building his own kind of super team. He was competing for his own titles. And then LeBron shows up and says, you know, hey, I'm here. And, and you know, L.A. fans are like, okay, you got to win us something. Well, he won one, but it was in the bubble. It didn't seem to resonate as much. He doesn't feel the love from them. They don't, they're not in love with him. And so when he leaves, I, I don't think, I, I honestly don't think he'll be viewed as a villain. I just think it's, the, the relationship is very transactional. And that's one of the things that LeBron has changed about superstars in the NBA becomes a much more transactional relationship than we're used to in sports because sports is so much about emotional ties. Our guys, our city is better than your guys in your city. And I think that's how it'll be viewed. Not that he's some villain. Well, I, the the reason the villain is uh, is, is going to happen is because watch how are the Lakers going to get out of this, right? If the Lakers can't get out of this and can't hit, hit reset, whether it's, you know, LeBron is gone and AD is gone and they can say, okay, hey, we'll trade for Zion. Damian Lillard's going to come. If they can't remake it and the Lakers get into one of those funks that, that last a few seasons, that bitterness towards LeBron is just going to continue to fester. It's going to be, look at the mess he, he left us. No one's going to blame Rob Palenka. No one's going to blame the genie bus. It's going to be, look at the mess that he, that he left us. And not only that, he, as you said, he never was really a Laker. He kind of had that moment when you thought what went, went after after Kobe died, and he had that moment in that speech and Mamba out. And I thought, okay, hey, LeBron's becoming a Laker now, but it just never got past that point. Like he came here, not once did he talk about how honored he was to be a and being a Lakers a lifelong dream. And and look, the Lakers have had all these big homegrown players that have that have been these guys forever. You know, it was it was Kobe. And then it was Shaq saying, I want to be a Laker. I want lost. This is what I want. I want to be a Laker. Okay. Sha- Shaq, Shaq wasn't homegrown now. Actually, no, 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 no. Shaq wasn't, past- but he came, he came in the middle of his career and he wanted to be a Laker and he won three straight championships. You think of him as a Laker. You know, he came early enough in his career where, okay, I can embrace you because you're 25, 26 years old and you can be one of ours. LeBron has, has come as, yeah, I want the brand. I want the Lakers brand. I want to jumpstart my, my companies here and I want to have a presence in Los Angeles. So it's kind of always been that way. When he kept he kept Magic Johnson outside his house, you know, when 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 he was when he was recruited, like Magic had to call him up to say, "Hey, I'm outside. Can you come out and talk?" I mean, that's the way it's been for LeBron since he got here. Well, Magic wasn't allowed to go in until a certain time, I think, and he got. No, I know, early. but but the fact is, he he's sitting there in his in his you know in his driveway, and there, there's no way you can kind of help out Magic Johnson a little bit. Could, couldn't help him out. Hey, LeBron, you got the what's the Wi-Fi so I can at least get on my phone a bit for a few minutes before I can come in and talk. To would you. would be would be funny if he if he did ask for the Wi-Fi. Hey, this is I just <laughs> in the neighborhood. That's actually a really good line. Why'd you stop by? Why'd you see your Wi-Fi code? That's it. I was I was I was I was, I was, I was in the neighborhood. No, it's look. The, the whole thing is interesting, and then you you look at the Bulls. And they're still without Alex Caruso, but uh, what a what a fun team and what a what a decision by Billy Donovan to leave Oklahoma City and and I look I don't think they can compete at the top of the league, but they're going to be a nuisance for somebody in the playoffs. With they're just getting Zach Levine back, he missed those last three games of the, before the All Star break. You know when you have you have Caruso and Ball, two tremendous defenders at the guard spots. You got Levine and DeRozan. You get anything from their interior play. Like, that's a hard team to play against. Not a championship caliber team, but it's good to have the Bulls back and DeRozan kind of proving the, you know, he's the anti-analytics. He's the mid-range jump shooter, but he's absolutely on a, on a, just a incredible pace right now. And and he's 32, like he's always been a good player, you know. Remember, he credited himself with the Raptors winning. Well, they had to trade me to get Kawhi, so uh, you know, it's, it's kind of I'm kind of responsible for it. Uh, could he win the MVP this year? I mean, he we we talk about a lot of other players, and hey, Embiid's at the top, and now good luck with Harden there because Harden's going to get a lot of the credit. Could DeRozan win the MVP because he's had a season kind of unlike anybody else? Could he? Yeah. Will he? Probably not because. You know he's not going to be able to. He's not going to put up these numbers. I don't think consistently when you have Levine coming back, 
And you also have guys like, I mean, like, look, I don't know if Jokic can win it again. He probably should. But what happens is you win it once and sometimes they get that fatigue over, over, you know, voting for you again. And we start, you know, we start, we start changing how we look at it. I mean, I, I think Luca could have won it based upon how he's played, but he was out of shape for the first, you know, two months of the season. So I, I don't know how you take that one, but um, could he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they, if they continue on this and, and continue to win games, I mean, they're already at, I think 39 wins and they're over under for the start of the season was 41 and a half. So they far exceeded anyone's reasonable expectations. And he's a big part of the reason why. Yeah, it's, you know, the Bulls being back is just a great story, right? You know, we, we don't talk about great stories as much because it's, it's hard. It's hard to be compelling about it because, you know, hey, this guy's great. Okay. And, and what else? Well, here's why he's great. Okay, what else do we got? Well, we're going to go on to something else. We're going to talk about Tom Brady. But the fact that, you know, if the look at the teams at the top of the East now, the Bulls, the Heat, the Sixers, the Bulls being this good is like it's like a, a breath of fresh air that, you know, we, everybody likes the retro. And, 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 you know, we had the we had the big uh, Michael Jordan documentary at last dance and everybody is still talking about the memes are still out there for it. And the Bulls haven't really been that relevant in a long time. But the fact they are is now and, and here they are at the top of the East and they should stay there the rest of the way and be a team in the East playoffs that wind up being one of one of the last teams standing. I mean, that, that's a huge level of interest and at least a team that you can flock to because they have exciting players and, and it's it's the, the heritage part of the Bulls. And you know, Jordan's going to say some stuff and Scottie Pippen's going to say, well, the Bulls are good because it's my it, it, this is my doing and, and buy my bourbon. So that, that that's kind of the, the really fun part is that the Bulls stepping up is 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 the big breath of fresh air the nba needs just to cut through things a little bit no question about it um i, I look i i think they're good i think they're fun and i you know i, I do I, I and it it does change some of the dynamic getting ready for the playoffs but to me it's more every it's one of those every shot he hits every game winner carrying this team with with because that, that's what they wanted what Russell Westbrook for is, could you carry the team knowing that LeBron would, would miss a couple games, that Anthony Davis would miss a couple games? So, And and just to be clear, I think uh, LeBron's Wi-Fi would be King James, right? Would that be, would that be the Wi-Fi password? That would be it? <laughs> it would be, or just the king? It's just the king. And, and, and type it right in. Just the king. <laughs> be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault. 
but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Fox Sports Radio, happy Friday. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan and the Danettes today. Got Bill Orem coming up, Lakers insider from The Athletic. LeBron versus the Lakers. It just seems to get bigger and bigger every day. We, did you play, Doug, did you play the uh, Bulls versus Blazers and Bulls versus Lakers, the, you know, the, the big EA sports games when they first came out? Because I kind of feel like LeBron like, versus was, Lakers should be a game too. It was Lakers versus Celtics in the NBA playoffs. Then it was Lakers versus Bulls in the NBA playoffs. Yes, I played those, played those uh, Sega Genesis games to death. I mean, how about the Blazers had the title of a video game? I mean, just think about that now. The Blazers were in the title of a video game. Amazing. Uh, with us now on the hotline, as I mentioned, Bill Orem, Lakers insider from The Athletic. All right, Bill, just just how bad is LeBron versus the Lakers right now? I mean, I, I thought we were going to talk about Blazers versus Bulls and, and Sega Genesis. Um, oh, we could. <laughs> we could, 100%. You know, I think I think there's a lot of posturing going on, especially from LeBron's side. I don't know that I – I'm not convinced that LeBron James – you know, wants to burn it down. You know, I don't know that he, I'm not convinced that he is angling for a premature exit from the Lakers. I think that there is some, some cage rattling going on here where LeBron just sort of, sort of wants to recalibrate the power dynamic and remind the Lakers that even though he signed a four-year contract when he initially signed here, that he signed a contract extension, that he has every reason to play the rest of his days out in Los Angeles that um, he doesn't have to, and it's not a, it's not just a foregone conclusion. And that you know, if you want to have the, the the privilege of employing LeBron James, you can't waste that gift. And you know, if you're LeBron, you're 37 years old, you're playing as well as anybody ever has at that age, playing at an MVP level, uh, truly. And um, and you're not getting results. You're looking around and seeing that you've you know basically had three losing seasons in four years, um, and that's just not good enough. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I, I think that's what he's doing. He's leveraging the Lakers, right? But this whole like Bronny thing, B- Bill, I, I saw Bronny play against Harvard Westlake in the game they lost. He, he's a nice player. He scored four points. Like he's, <laughs> what are we doing here? Like this is, it, it's bad enough yeah. Dwayne Wade bought into the Utah Jazz so his son can play on their G League team, which stinks. But for Bronny to go like, I'm going to leverage my uh, an NBA team based upon my son who doesn't feel like he's going to be a pro in a couple of years, right? He may end up being an NBA player, but not for a. It's going to take a little bit of time. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't understand that move. Uh, you know, I I just don't. Well, I mean, it does it does seem like it's one of those things LeBron is trying to speak into existence, right? Like he does so many other other things, um, and you know, I do think that there is, you know, validity to the idea that a team would, you know, take more of a, a chance on Bronny if it meant there was a chance to get you know the, the golden years out of LeBron. But um, I I'm with you. We're also a couple of years away from this. Like this is not something that is happening imminently, and. And, and Bronny has a long way to go, both in terms of um, developing as a player and kind of figuring out his career path. You know, is he going to go to college for a year? Is he going to go through the G League path? Is he good enough to go the G League path? I mean, we're those, a lot of those guys who go the G League Ignite route are, are, you, know, are you know, bona fide first-round picks. Um, I mean, I guess that's one way LeBron could play with Bronny, right? Bronny plays, and he can play with him sooner. Bronny plays in, for the G League Ignite in two years, and LeBron drops down and plays in the G League. I mean, he'd dominate the G League. I'm being facetious in case I wasn't there. <laughs> this to me looks like the, uh, the 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 off-court version of a LeBron James heat check. Let's see how my let's see how re- how big my power really is that I can speak it into existence that I could play with Bronny because because I, I look at this bill as he's really trying to leverage the Cavs right now. Like eventually I want to go back home, right? I want to finish there. I don't want to finish here. So this whole thing in, in the in, in the All Star Weekend of hey, I'm never closing the door. I'm just a kid from Akron. Uh, I could see myself going back there, and I want to play my last year with Bronny. Like I think that's him saying, hey, you have a couple of years. We're gonna make this happen because that's 
how we're going to finish me and Cleveland with Bronny, and that's what it's going to be. But, I mean, are we convinced that the Cavaliers are going to want LeBron? No, in a year they don't when he's want 39, They're on a great path as it is. They've got five young core pieces who look like they can be a contender as it is. When you, when you sign LeBron James, everything, as we're, see, as we're seeing, becomes about LeBron James. And, you know, and that works when you're the Lakers and you are completely moribund and you have, you have nothing going for you and you've missed the playoffs six straight years. I mean, the Cavs are an ascendant team in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, they are a contender right now uh, to say nothing of where they might be in, you know, two years when LeBron's a free agent. So, um, or, or in a year when LeBron's a free agent. So, you know, it might be a lot of, a lot of posturing for nothing. I mean, you know, there, there, there are teams that would absolutely, you know, sell a, um, an appendage to get LeBron at 38, 39 years old because they don't have anything else going for them. Uh, that will not be the Cavaliers in 2023 or 24. Bill, let, 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 let's discuss the current state of the Lakers. And, yes, that's a year and a half in the future. But part of it speaks to uh, the the discontent with Rob Palenka, right, with, 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 which, with Rich Paul. I'm led to believe, and you're the insider, you know way more. I'm led to believe that a lot of this comes back from last year's trade deadline when they didn't go out and get Kyle Lowry. And the feeling is... None of this would have ever been an issue had they just simply, you know, moved off of Taylor Horton Tucker last year and gotten Kyle Lowry. Is it that or is it that the Lakers are pushing back because Westbrook was the choice when the Buddy Heald done deal was already done? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it's I think it's a little bit folly to say that, that Rob Polinka, you know, was overruled on the on the Russell Westbrook trade or something like that. I mean, Rob Polinka also wanted to trade for Russell Westbrook. Like he was also on board with that deal. You know, you would ha- I I just remain completely unconvinced that Rob was simply doing LeBron's bidding. I think LeBron wanted. I had no LeBron wanted that deal done, but it wasn't just Rob. You know, moving out of the way and letting Rich Paul, um, you know, move the pieces around. So um, you know, Rob also wanted Russell Westbrook. But you're you're right. I mean, like the, the discontent. You know. It, it's 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 a bigger it's it's been a longer runway than just this you know than just the trade deadline or just this season because really the the one thing that Rob Polinka has done right like you know I mean the one primary thing he's done right is you know pushes chips all in and get Anthony Davis and that led to a championship in 2020 you know obviously they they put the right pieces around that team but in terms of big moves you know you you, you deconstruct that that championship team and build a team that doesn't get out of the first round. Now, granted, injuries played a huge role in that. Um, and then you you don't improve that team. You know, at the trade deadline, when there was a real opportunity to go out and get a third, <clears throat> real you know kind of killer. You know, I mean, in Kyle Lowry, the fact that that deal was even in place for the pieces that the Lakers would have had to uh, send to Toronto kind of remains baffling. I mean, they were going to get that deal done for Dennis Schroeder, who left in free agency, Taylor Horton Tucker, who's underperformed, and Contavious Caldwell Pope, who they basically you know. I think undervalued, but just threw in threw into the Russell Westbrook trade. So, um, you know that 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 remains probably one of the bigger blunders of of Palinka's, uh tenure. And you're right because of everything that it has led to. You know, you don't need to go out and get that third playmaker. You don't need to go out and get that third star. Um, you have a you know a gritty you know sort of um, culture sort of setting point guard in Kyle Lowry who's going to do who's going to be a great fit next to LeBron is going to be great for Anthony Davis and instead you valued you know 20 year old Taylor Horton Tucker when you have otherwise completely uh not valued you know future assets at all so it was totally antithetical to the way they have built their roster and sort of you know forged their identity as a front office and it has to be sort of you know it has to to go back to the fact a little bit I mean that that is a clutch client right like you know it, it gets framed a lot that that the Lakers chose Taylor Horton Tucker over Alex Caruso, but part of the reason, you know, that they you know they valued Taylor Horton Tucker so much was that they undervalued Alex Caruso, right? Like they 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 made Alex Caruso an offer before they signed Taylor Horton Tucker. It was just a low ball offer, and in large part that's because you know the powers that be, whether that's Rob Palinka, Kurt Rambis, and uh, and then also Rich Paul in their ear are 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 saying, hey, we 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 can do just fine on the open market and, and replicate what. Caruso does, whether that's in part um, Kendrick Kendrick, uh, Kendrick Nunn, but also primarily Taylor Horton Tucker, who was getting you know was getting um, blown up a lot by by Rich Paul, and he just obviously hasn't been that guy yet. 
Lakers insider Bill Oram with us here, Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb. So when we get to the end of the season and there's been a lot of debate on the Lakers with, with as far as what their future is with the big three, LeBron James, oh, maybe they should try to trade him. AD, maybe they should try to trade him. Russell Westbrook, oh, we got to trade him. What happens at the end of this? Are they all, are all three of them Lakers next year? Are two of them Lakers next year? Is one of them Lakers next year? What is it? I think I think it's still LeBron and AD. I'm you know, you know how how they get rid of Russell Westbrook. I am not sure. Um, you know whether it's you know finding a trade partner. If it is, I, I don't think you, I don't think you I don't think you can stretch that contract. I think you take the hit over one year if you if you end up keeping him. But I don't think Russell Westbrook is a is 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 on the team next year. He's certainly not playing member of the team next year, uh, barring something really dramatic unfolding over these final twenty four games. But you know the LeBron and Anthony Davis connection has been so good, um, and it did yield a championship. And I think you know you're kind of in this. This is kind of this is kind of the 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 way you have formed your team, and you you've had some bad injury luck, obviously, and that seems to follow Anthony Davis, and that is just a, a mammoth risk with him. But you've seen it when they are healthy that they can you know that they can beat anybody, especially when the the, the roster is built out smartly around them. And I think that's probably your still your clearest path to a championship. But if you don't trade Russell Westbrook, or you know, I, that really hinders your ability to build a roster around those two guys that can contend. And if, but you still have Anthony Davis under contract for three more years, and I, I don't think that you you pull a panic move and trade him um, just to get out of your your Russell Westbrook uh, conundrum. So I, I think that this is still Anthony Davis and LeBron James next year, uh, but they're going to have to find a way off of Russell Westbrook. Uh, okay, so this this year, uh, and and by the way, does Frank survive to next year? Like, what has to happen for Frank to survive for, for next year? Yeah, that's a tough. That's a much tougher one because remember, he's only on. He's 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 on, he has one year left on his contract, and that was the 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 one year extension the Lakers gave him in the off season, sort of a backhanded compliment of, you know, thanks for the championship. Uh, you know, we don't want you to be a lame duck. Uh, so here's here's a one year extension. Well, so now he's set up to be a lame duck again next year after you know two, real, you know really discouraging years. Um, if I'm Frank Vogel, I'm not coming back next year without a multi year contract extension. And if I'm the Lakers, I mean you honestly rightly could say the results haven't been there for a multi year contract extension uh, since the championship. So I don't know where that leaves them, and that is where we've seen a lot of coaches and and teams part ways and you know, I know Frank loves being a, a, a Laker I, he loves you know he, he's man I think he's kind of navigated the the you know the the, the um, unorthodox front office you know pretty pretty savvily um, but I I do I do feel like this is kind of on the path toward a divorce just because it doesn't it doesn't I don't it doesn't seem like either side is going to get what they want when they sit down in the offseason. He's on Twitter at Bill Orem. That's at Bill Orem Lakers insider for the athletic bill. Appreciate your time. And uh, if I get that Bulls versus Lakers or Bulls versus Blazers game going on, I'll, I'll invite you because Doug and I like to play games too. So we'll, we'll get, we'll get a big uh, uh, tournament going. My mom donated mine. I found this out like three Thanksgivings ago. She took <laughs> the Genesis and Blazers versus Bulls to like goodwill. Dude, dude you know it. what you could get for that on eBay? I don't even want to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm looking up it right now. Bulls versus Blazers. Here it is. $9,000. There you go. That's oh, what you could have made. Stop <laughs> it. Let me at least have coffee before you, before you tease me like this. <laughs> Take it easy, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. All right. With us now on the hotline, he's on Twitter at John Middlecoff. That is at John Middlecoff, former NFL scout with the Eagles, host of the Three and Out podcast on the Volume Sports. You hear him on the Dan Patrick Show, Fox Sports Radio, here all the time. All right, John, where are you? The most likely outcome for Aaron Rodgers of the three, le- most least likely outcome. What do you think it is? Yeah, I would have said uh, before the season and mid-season, even when it was going well, he was. It was his last year in Green Bay. You know, goodbye, swan song, MVP, number one seed. And then they lost, and you're like, ah. Uh. And the way he's kind of acted, it does feel like the chances of him going back are pretty strong. I disagree, Doug, that if he wanted out, like if he went NBA, like you have to trade me, I do think they would trade him. Just because his value is so sky high, what, what are you going to do, you know, if he doesn't want to be there? But it, he's not giving off those vibes right now. You know, Russell Wilson kind of gives off those vibes. But I'll give Aaron credit on this. Unlike Russell, Aaron, for the last 12 months, 
you know, maybe not 12 months, but since the season started, has been pretty open with where he stands and the way he's talked. And I watched Gudikin's press conference well, a couple of days ago. It does feel, and I, Gudikins deserves a lot of credit on this, their relationship is pretty good. We know how good the uh, the coach, how much Aaron likes LaFleur, but I think he, Gudikins deserves a lot of credit for figuring out a way because they don't teach you that in scout school. You, you either have know how to deal with people or you don't. Uh, and especially Aaron, let's face it, it's a little different. But Gudikins to me, deserves a lot of credit for just figuring out, kissing his butt's probably the wrong way to put it, but just, you know, placating to him a little. Well, I'm creating a relationship there. It, it, there has to be some – by the way, you working on a cold there, bud? Is that what's, yeah, what's the going head, on? Yeah, the, the cold is out of retirement. It's like Eric Weddle. It's back now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you know, that's – one of the problems of playing golf every single day that's like you're going to at some point you're going to run into weather. John Middlecoff, three and out, uh, former NFL scout, former assistant in college as well. OK, so are you now of the camp that he's that he's staying, that he's going to get a new contract? Uh, I mean, I think it's pretty likely that he stays. I, I you know, I, I would have said it was like he's good as gone. Now I feel like 50 50. It's either he goes to Denver or he stays in Green Bay. I mean, ultimately, from a football perspective, and I think the more he realizes this, They'll do whatever it takes, and they'll keep winning, and the division stinks. How would Green Bay not be a 12-win team next year? I mean, they're, they're going to be one of the best teams in the league. I, we, I, we can't just say that about Denver. Everyone's like, oh, he'll be so good in Denver. They haven't won in forever. They have a first-time head coach. and I know it's Aaron's guy, but you know you can win in Green Bay. Because if Aaron comes back, that means Devontae's coming back. They'll sign some contracts. They'll move some money around, and they'll add to the team. Are they really that close to being a championship team? And we watched them with home field this year. They couldn't score against the Niners. They had a home playoff game last year. They didn't get enough done on offense. They still have a long ways to go. I mean, we, we have this image of, of, of the Packers. Oh, boy, they're right there. But are they really right there? Well, I think their problem is they're actually better suited to play on the road in the playoffs than at home yep. because, you know, in January it's, it's negative 10 and it's just freezing cold. And their best attribute is their quarterback and their wide receiver. And it's just, you know, if that game wasn't San Francisco or Levi Stadium in round two, it would have been much harder for the Niners to win that game. Now, obviously, the Niners would have been better on offense, but the Green Bay would have been dramatically better on offense. So the problem is going to be is they're always going to win that division. Now, do they have the best record? They have home field throughout. But to me, as long as you have Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it's a quarterback league. Now, is yeah. they have, does the team have some flaws? But, you know, J.R. Alexander missed the majority of the year. He's a really good player. The safety savage is good. Kenny Clark's good. If you can bring back some of those older pass rushers that are free agents, and you, as long as you've got Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams, I mean, that's, that's pretty darn good, isn't it? Well, remember, they, they didn't have Bakhtiari either. I'm sure, yeah. they'll, I'm sure they'll restructure that new deal. They've always drafted well with offensive linemen. So they you know, and then, the and then, and then A.J. Dillon got hurt in that game as well. I mean, part of the, part of the running attack, he's the, he's the power to Aaron Jones. I think they're I – they're, I, I also thought Goodenkunst – he, he framed it correctly. I don't know if you guys heard part of that press conference. He's like, we're just as close as anybody. You know, we're, and, and that, I think, is an accurate assessment, especially, especially in, the, in the NFC. Um, oh, okay, let, help, help me out. I was, I was kind of explaining to Jason what I had heard about Biennemi in terms of as a head coach. But a story out today is he's back as a Kansas City offensive coordinator. This was very much in doubt. Why? What? What what's going on there in Kansas City between Bienemy and the and Mahomes and the rest of that staff? Well, there was an article uh, last week about Mahomes and his relationship, and it's not normal to have a situation where the guy signs a contract, you know, at the end of February, you know, especially with a team that's had that much success. So <clears throat> clearly, they had some stuff to work out, and I would imagine I don't I don't have any inside information on this that they had to just make sure everyone was on the same page. And I think that was the quarterback, him, and Coach Reed. And let's face it, Coach Reed is the boss on this one. So he must have felt comfortable with bringing him back. I mean, the media, I, I, you know, has a different vibe. I mean, he's had 15 head coaching interviews, and he hasn't got a job. So, you know, he's not some perfect candidate. And, and he almost, like, let's call a spade a spade, he almost got fired in Kansas City. I, I don't know all the details of what happened, but that's where it was headed. You know, fired, not renewed, whatever, but not not retained. So, you know, he should be very, very thankful that whatever played itself out and that he's still there because it is an incredible job to have, right? I mean, you get Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it doesn't get much better. Is, is it 
is it part of the relationship? You know, Doug talked about how, you know, maybe Mahomes, you know, he wouldn't be his favorite guy. But if it was really that bad, they, they, they would have let him go. No, I mean, if it was really, really that bad. They would have said, OK, we're making a move and, and, and we're, you're not going to be the OC anymore. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Kansas City's not like New England. You know, it's not like an angry place. So even if you have some, quote unquote, discomfort or people aren't on the same page, you know, you can talk your way through it. You know, I mean, I think that starts with Andy. Is it's it's a very it's not like the contentious nature of football. He has a unique feel for that. So even if you have some disagreements or guys aren't on the same page, he's pretty good at mending fences or getting everyone on the same page. Especially, I mean, they like Eric Bieniemy personally. You know, he's a good football coach, but clearly there was some uh, there was a discontent. There was a gap between I think the quarterback and him. And, you know, clearly they've probably spent some time over the last couple months or since they lost that game figuring out how to get back on the same page. And, and they, he, Andy must feel that he has no problem with it moving forward or he would not have done this. Uh, what do you think happens to Jimmy G? I think he gets traded. You know, it's just but, where, but where? But where? Well, I mean, I think it depends on, you know, if Roger stays in Green Bay, that means Denver doesn't have a quarterback. They're going to need something. Pittsburgh – you know, does Deshaun Watson get traded? If he does in the next week, then a team will try to trade for Deshaun Watson probably before Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I, I would say Denver would be in play if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get traded. I'd say Pittsburgh would be in play if they don't get a quarterback. And I, I, I have a hard time seeing Don Yee and Jimmy Garoppolo wanting to go to the Commanders. You know, I mean, damn, I just I, – I, I can't see that. So, I mean, to me, De, to me, Denver and Pittsburgh would make a lot of sense. He, can, he has a no-trade clause. So I mean it's it's not your nineteen you know ninety one Al Davis I'm going to trade you wherever the hell I want to trade you it's they're going to work together you know it's it's a very healthy relationship so they're going to try to but ultimately someone's going to have to want them you know and I know Schefter said on the PFF podcast I think part of it is I bet Kyle is like I just don't want to give this guy away and I think the football guys are like well Kyle I mean we got twenty seven million dollars worth of cap space that we can use to build it around Trey Lance. Because, Kyle, there's no way he would know for sure, like, I can go back to the playoffs with Trey Lance. Right now, he may feel a lot better about that after OTAs. But for the last four months, once the season started, beside two games that Trey Lance started, Kyle, you're not developing guys during NFL season, especially when your head coach is the offensive coordinator. You're just focused on, you know, the game planning and trying to score points that week. So Kyle will really get to put his hands on Trey Lance you know, starting in OTAs. And I, I bet right now he's probably, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he's not bullish on his career, but ultimately in 2022, like, he wants to compete for the Super Bowl. And uh, I could see where Kyle, like, has to be, I don't know, talked into it, but, like, the best we can get is a fifth-round pick. I can see Kyle would be like, screw that, what does a fifth-round pick do for us? Now, if they get a third-round pick, which ultimately, let's face it, quarterback inflation, they'll probably end up getting, I, I think you have to do it. Now you just you mentioned Deshaun Watson in there, and and we had the the report a day ago that teams could potentially be interested in him as long as the criminal aspect of his case is is solved by the beginning of April. Obviously, the civil aspect is going to take a long time. Are teams really in on Deshaun Watson? Like like, hey, we're we're monitoring this and we're going to pounce on him. Are, are they really thinking he's like option A for us right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I've said for him until everything was together. You know, he's heard multiple teams are ready to trade for him, you know, potentially at, you know, the combine league op before the league year starts to have a deal in place uh, without those being figured out. So, you know, we can stay what we would do, but ultimately we have a long history of pro sports in these situations, basketball, football, and baseball, when guys of his talent, uh, you know, especially the power of a quarterback that I, I yeah, I expect him to get traded at this point. You know, I, I really do. He's just, now, I think you could go also on the other side, like if you're the Texans, you're, if, if it's not figured out, are you getting maximum value? Would it, be, would it behoove you to wait a little bit to see if they do go away to get that extra you know, first-round pick if someone's only going to give you two ones and two twos right now just because of the uncertainty of his legal situation? Uh, I just think there are so many variables in this. It makes it very, very complicated. Yeah, because I would think, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong here, the team that makes a lot of sense if the off-the-field didn't, wasn't there, 
would be the Steelers. Apparently, you know, there's a there's a mutual ap- uh, appreciation with him and Flores. I, I'm everybody thinks Mike Tomlin would be awesome to play for. They need a quarterback. He kind of has some Big Ben, you know, better better version athletically of Big Ben, but in terms of holding the ball a little bit too long, like they've they've lived with that for a, for a long time. Um, and you have a new GM who would love to break out of the this is how Pittsburgh's always done it sort of syndrome. The problem is I just don't know how that works with the off-the-field stuff, especially in a place like Pittsburgh. You you would think Denver would be, if they don't get Rodgers, would be very, very involved. I, I also think the curveball in this whole situation is Mr. Twitter, uh, Russell Wilson. You know, is does he have the stones to just demand a trade? Like, here's what I will say about Rodgers. If Rodgers wants out, he's going to tell him he wants out. I feel like Russell's, like, sitting on the fence. Like, you know, I kind of want to go, but I kind of want to play here because he, he hates thinking about people hating him and all this equity he's built up in Seattle. He doesn't want to totally ruin that. And if you ask for a trade, like ultimately fans are going to be mad. But, you know, eventually if he wants out, he's going to have to tell him because under no circumstances are they going to trade him. But if he demands a trade, you know, you could just, you could argue that, you know, they bought low, they got 10 years out of him. I don't know if I would do this, but I, I would understand if you could get, you know, Howie Roseman to give you four first-round picks for him, that maybe it's just time to reset the franchise and get a guy that doesn't really want to be there out of there. But I, you just, you know, I, I feel he's very hesitant to put himself out on a limb and ask for what he actually wants. Jason, excuse me for one sec. Uh, see, I, I think I agree with you, but I think if we compare Seattle and Green Bay, right, the difference is, as you pointed out, Green Bay is right there, right there in any discussion. And they're far and away the best team in that division. Whereas Seattle, not close to being right there. And, you know, even with all the flaws of Arizona, Arizona won 10 games this year, was in the playoffs. The Rams won the Super Bowl. San Francisco almost went to and, and won the Super Bowl. Like, I, I know that people don't judge their current situation based upon their division. Most quarterbacks don't. They're, they're, those guys think they're good enough that if I'm healthy, we're going to be fine. But the reality is Seattle as a franchise should consider it more than Green Bay should ever consider it because of where they stand their division and where they stand talent-wise. The one thing I think if I was John Schneider where I'd push back, I'd go, well, we went 3-3 three and three in our division. We swept San Francisco. We beat the living you-know-what out of Arizona Week 18 when they had to win to win the division. We killed them. When, you know, we lost some games when Russell missed with his messed-up finger you know, Rashad Penny at the end of the year, I think he was the leading rusher in December. Now, that was a short sample size, but so if we get a running game, we got some receivers. Now, the defense, I mean, we got a new defensive staff, and it's never going to be what it once was, but if Russell is playing at a Pro Bowl level, we can compete because we can hang with everyone in the division. And we can ha- their problem always is they lose these games to, like, the Lions and, and like, the Jags. Like, they, they lose random games. They actually, to me, they play pretty well in the division. But, uh, you know, overall, yeah. Are they, uh, talent-wise, top to bottom, as good as some of these other teams in the playoffs? Probably not. And they just don't have the wiggle room because they don't have the picks. And cap-wise, they're kind of screwed up. Um, But to me, if Russell Wilson is playing at an elite level, I mean, I've just seen them so many times live over the years playing the Niners, and I watch so much NFC West football. I always take them seriously if, if Russell's humming. He's on Twitter at John Middlecoff. That is at John Middlecoff, host of the Three and Out podcast on Volume Sports. John, as always, thanks for taking your time with us here on Fox. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy, fellas. See you. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. 
With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Hello, welcome inside Hour 2 of the Dan Patrick Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan and the Danettes today. And, uh, you know, news I want to share with you right now, Doug Gottlieb has been cast in the new Tom Brady movie as Sally Field's love interest or Jane Fonda's love interest. I forget. Who was it? Sally Field. Definitely Sally Field. Okay. uh, Because she was Frog in Smoking the Bandit. That's my favorite movie of all time. (laughs) Right? I didn't know that Smoking the Bandit's your favorite movie. I didn't know that. Heck yeah. First thing I'm going to do. First thing I'm I mean, think about the lines in that movie that would never be allowed today. First oh, thing yeah. I'm going to do when I get home is punch your mama in the mouth. Right? Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to have to cut. Jack, Mr. Gleason, we're going to have to cut that one from the script. Uh, Everything he said would have had to been cut from the script. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, so uh, we got uh, Bill Oram coming up in about 20 minutes. Lakers insider with The Athletic. Got a lot of NBA to get to. We'll get to James Harden's debut coming up in a few minutes. But uh, the biggest NFL headline the last 24 hours, outside of Aaron Rodgers waiting for a decision, right? Deanna Rossini reporting, oh, Aaron Rodgers' decision is coming soon. Like, that's news? Really? I could have done that. I could have put that on Twitter. The decision is coming soon. Uh, Eric Bieniemy will return as the Chiefs offensive coordinator for the 2022 season. Uh, this news first reported by NFL Network. He's coming back on a one-year contract. Uh, this is some kind of journey for a guy who, for a while, was the it guy, at least on social media, from fans and people around the league. Hey, this guy's going to be a head coach one day in the NFL. It hasn't happened. Got to the point this offseason that maybe Bieniemy wasn't even going to come back with the Chiefs. However, met with Andy Reid, and he's going to stay on as the Chiefs OC. He had considered coaching in college, listening to other offers, potentially taking a year off, but he's going to come back one year deal with the Chiefs as the OC. And, you know, as far as Bieniemy goes, Doug, this is where I would like the next great investigative journalistic story to take us. Like, let, let's get the Don Van Nattas or the, you know, the people who did money, uh, who did the Balco stuff. Let's get him into why Eric Bieniemy's not a head coach, right? Because there's so much mystery swirling around why he's not there. He doesn't interview very well. Really, after 12 interviews, he doesn't interview very well anymore. Like, what's the why is he not a head coach? Because every time head coaches get hired and we point to the inequality of, of black coaches not getting the head coaching opportunities, we point to Eric Bieniemy. And, and it's Bieniemy's the offensive coordinator. Oh, does he call the plays? He doesn't call the plays. I, I really would like to see, because that would really help. That's like an investment investigative report that would help say, okay, this is why it sits where it does for Eric Bieniemy. Okay, well, I'll give you a couple things. Uh, first thing is, I, I, no, one, no one actually does know what his level of input is, what his level of effectiveness is, and there have been many people that have, you know, there's many stories that come out that, whether it's Mahomes, uh, you know, or other coaches, but Mahomes like, doesn't have a great working relationship with him. I mean, here's like this is all you need to know. It's not about the interviewing shouldn't 
necessarily tell the story because it's hard to get a head. First of all, it's hard to get a head coaching job. Like I hope people understand. Like they're not just given to people. Um, what's what, why am I blanking? He just got fired for the Denver Broncos. He's a he was terrific defensive coordinator oh, with Fangio. the Bears. Big Fangio. Big Fangio was an assistant for 35 years before he got a head coaching job and a really good defense coordinator. Now, one of the reasons is there been people that have crossed paths with Fangio is like, you know, he's not really a collaborator. He's a great coach. But when you lead a team, it's about being a little bit of a collaborator. Anyway, Ryan Poles is with the Kansas City Chiefs. He gets the general managerial job with the Chicago Bears, and usually you take somebody with you, okay, to, to, especially for that first job. You want somebody you've worked with before, somebody you have a relationship with, you know, somebody who thinks along the same, same, same thoughts that you do. And instead, Poles got, uh, hires Matt Everflus. Now, Bill Polian had a, was kind of an overseer into the job. That's why Poles was selected, and Eberflus is a guy that everybody swore by. But Look at what happened with the Giants, right? You have uh, Brian Dable was the guy who who fixed Josh Allen. Bill Shane gets the job as the general manager. They both come together from Buffalo. So for the rest of the league, it, it tells you all you need to know that if Eric Bieniemy was such a hot candidate and was so desirable, wouldn't a guy who worked with him every day for the past couple of years, wouldn't that be his first thought, his first hire, his first interview? And the answer is no. The second thing is, in regards to what – when people say he's a bad interviewer, they, they, they're not saying he's a bad guy or that he's mentally or emotionally incompetent. It's that if – and again, this is from actual people who have actually interviewed the enemy. He, he's not going to coach in college. Okay, There's too much baggage from when he was on the staff at CU. They couldn't even interview – they couldn't really bring him in despite the fact he was a great player there. Okay, so – College is a completely different animal, and I I don't see that being a landing place for him. And when when it came out that he might do college or he might take a year off, that 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 is not a good sign. Okay. Second thing is keep in mind it's not like he has some schlum job. Offensive coordinator pays seven figures. Okay, and he's got two of the most talented weapons with one of the most talented quarterbacks. And Andy Reid has been a kingmaker for years. The questions about how well they get along are, but. The big thing is when he's interviewed, there just hasn't been any meat, anything, any there there. Like these guys, they go in for interviews. You, you gotta, you gotta really invest in the process. And who who do you like? Who do we have? How do you want to change? What is the plan? Who would you hire? Who would you draft? Who would your free agents be? Like it's an all encompassing instead of what I was told was a very very bland look at what it would be like. And I talked to three people who have interviewed him for three different jobs, and they've all said similar to the same thing. I, I came in not knowing if I would like him or love him or whatever, if he could, and I liked him a lot more than I probably thought I would have. Uh, it wasn't about personality, but one, no one's able to identify exactly what he does in Kansas City. But not calling plays does not mean you can't be a head coach. Nobody actually cares, right? It's can you. Make everybody work together. Do you have a vision and a plan? But the big thing that was missing is some sort of substance to the plan, to the vision, who he'd hire, how he'd play, what our team would look like, where you could close your eyes and just feel it, taste it, sense it. And they all said kind of the same thing, like not not really comparable to some of the other guys that we, we interviewed. That's it. See, I, I, I can't help but think there's something we're not being told. Because just take let me take two of the points you just brought up right there. First, the interviews. I can get that that maybe the first two or three interviews that all right maybe Eric Bieniemy didn't really wow and I got to go back and figure out okay what do I need to do to interview because you would think somebody I want to be a head coach boy I've heard my interviews aren't good so aren't you going to work on them and the guys I think had about fifteen interviews to be a head coach so I got to think by now if the guy really wants to be a head coach he understands what he has to do in an interview to to wow people I mean just like anybody else look when I was when I was younger going out for my first jobs and you know I, I, all right how do I what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to come across as, as as ready to take on the world? Am I supposed to come across as being cool and detached? Like, how, how do I do it? And, you know, it, there's a way to figure out just being yourself in the interview. So I got to think after, you know, seven or eight, like the last five or six had to go somewhat smoothly. But the other part is that if it was so bad and and, and there's red flags for the enemy, why is he back again? 
If it was so bad with Mahomes, if he doesn't get along with Mahomes and all these things are happening and the offense is having issues in the playoffs, why is he back for another year as the OC? I, I don't think Andy Reid's going to, well, I really got to help him out and he's just going to sit around and not do anything and I'm going to get him paid for a year. I, I, I got to think there's something else going on where we're, we're not being told about why he's not there. And, and the whole thing with the enemy is kind of shrouded in mystery. You would think at some point, as, as you said, you'd be able for teams to know, okay, what's Eric Bieniemy's role with the team? What actually happened? You can, you can probably figure that out at some point if you do enough digging. How involved is he with the game plan? How involved is he not? But in the end, guys like Joe Judge get opportunities who are special teams coaches. And all right, we, he doesn't call offensive plays, defensive plays, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to hire him. I, I just can't help but think that, boy, there's, there's just still too much mystery around the story where now there should be more meat on the bone here where we should know, okay, this is why so-and-so is not getting the opportunity that he is. You don't you don't do that. No, nobody nobody does that. And 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 honestly, people don't want to know the truth. But but you don't. I, I'm. I just. I I think that Ryan Poles not taking him with him tells you what you need to tells you what you need to know. It just does. It just says not not a dude. You know. It's just, pe- people people tell you with their actions. They don't have to tell you with their words. And and if that gets out, everybody gets eviscerated. If you say that he's not, you know he you know he doesn't. He doesn't give substance, then there's going to be a racial connotation to it. There's not. There's just not. I, I'm sure there are lots of people who have interviewed him and wanted to hire Eric Bieniemy. But you know, like this, this has been my my pushback with people who call it. It's like, yes, why Joe Judge? Well, because because John Mara worships the ground that Bill Belichick walks on. And when Bill Belichick says Joe Judge is a head coach, he's he's a John Harbaugh type, and a, a special teams coach that can motivate the whole team. Then John Mar that's and it's the same reason that John Merrow wanted to interview Brian Flores. You know, plus he's a Boston College guy and Brian Flores is a Boston College guy. And he was intrigued by him and might have wanted to hire him, but he hired a general manager that had a different plan. So I think there's a lot that goes into uh, who gets a head coaching job? A lot of times, it's you got to be from the same kind of football family and have a relationship there. And what's happened with guys who have had relationships with the Chiefs and with that organization, they have not hired him, and so that's kind of it feels like a warning sign to the rest of the league. I don't think you're ever going to get the this is why he's not. I'm telling you why. I'm telling you the exact reason why. I'm telling you why he didn't get a couple of the jobs. It was that in comparison to who they hired and who became a finalist, it wasn't close in terms of the vision for the team. That's it. it it's just that you interview. This has been my argument with the – that's why the Rooney rule, again, in theory, is a, is a really smart rule. It's to get more people of, that are not of your circle in front of – general managers in front of it's it's one of they also have a minority coaching position again get more people of color in front of decision makers where it's not just for the decision makers to create a relationship that's part of it but also so that everybody gets you've interviewed before you can get feedback what do i need to do better and the feedback has been that just it's it's not good not substantive enough they they don't they don't believe in your vision or think that it's thorough enough and has what the, what they want as a fit. This is my if these are billion billion dollar companies, right? Like we would all agree they're all worth uh, two billion uh, two billion and up, right? If the Bengals are the least valuable, they're going to be worth two billion, and that's the minimum. The Cowboys, it's at least five, if not six, if not seven. These are billion dollar corporations. If you think for one second that anything matters more than winning. To somebody who's because if you're a general manager or you're uh, president of football operations, your career revolves around one thing. Does the head coach that I hire, is he going to win me football games? Because if he wins, then I get paid and I get to keep my job and I don't have to move my family and I don't have, we don't have to change schools. Nothing changes. We just make more money and we stay longer. That's all we want. And the owners, all they want is to make money. And they make money by winning games. That's it. So if you think at any time they go, well, you know, we could win more with this guy, but he's black, so we're going to win more with this guy. No, it's not. Okay, It's a copycat league where right now the hot coaches are the young uh, Kyle Shanahan's, the young Sean McVay's. Right. That that's that's how it is. Or you're a quarterback whisperer and you tie yourself to a quarterback and 
I understand that the previous head coach, Matt Nagy, was a Kansas City guy who worked with quarterbacks who was supposed to, who's supposed to fix Mitchell Trubisky and then, you know, couldn't fix when they, when they go and they draft a, a star quarterback. But if Ryan Poles thought the answer to the quarterback problems with the Chicago Bears resided in Eric Bieniemy because of his work with Pat Mahomes, he'd be the head coach of the Chicago Bears right now. He's not. It tells you all you need to know. Well, and you talk about winning. Sometimes you got to lose if you want to keep your job too, right? Sometimes, sometimes you got got to lose games. You mentioned Brian Flores. Got to lose games. You want to keep your job. You want to stay around here. Got to lose. Got to lose. Got to tank. Got to get that. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show. Uh, we'll have more on the NFL coming up later on this hour. Uh, look, a lot of big stuff going on today. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening.